Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi everyone, this is Norma. And this is Priscilla. And you're listening to It's the Mystery for Me. back to another episode of It's the Mystery for Me. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, January 9th, it's your favorite person's birthday. Not Norma. Sorry <laughs> to some of you. <laughs> me, the big Capricorn. Um, so yeah, but Norma's, Norma's editing the episode, so I get to relax while she does that. I mean, I... Per usual. Yeah, nothing has changed. It's not like... I mean, I edited the first, like, 40-something episodes, and then you picked up from there. I'm catching up, though. Yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. We're proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) In true crime news, there is a TikTok that is currently going viral, and it pertains to one of the cases that we covered... It's the Tamara Green case. So it's literally episode one and two of our podcast. Her daughter, Ashley, made a TikTok and just basically said that she's really frustrated with the fact that no one is putting in any effort to help to solve her mom's murder. That case was the driving force behind why I was like, hey, we should create a podcast. I had read up on it a little bit and I was like wait this is like insane how many other cases are there like that out there right and so like the deep dive began and I'm pretty sure for that case I was like thoroughly researching it I read a book I listened to another podcast that did like a really in-depth breakdown about Kwame Kilpatrick the mayor I watched news videos at the time we released the episode which would have been in June of 2021 I think mm-hmm. yeah. we could not find any family members to kind of like give their insight. You know, we were looking at old YouTube videos of news clips where her kids would talk. But Ashley, I believe, is her youngest daughter. And while she definitely has a lot to say, as she should, right? You got to advocate for your people because if not you, then who? Seriously. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Maybe we can do some sort of update episode on Tamara's case and Lupin Ashley. But yeah, we'll let you guys know more about that once we know more. And we will also link the TikTok video in particular in today's show notes in case you want to check it out. You don't have to have the TikTok app to watch it. It's about a minute and a half long or so. And now we'll turn to today's case, which Norma is, well, doing, I guess. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was going to say hosting, but same thing. I'll try my best not to interrupt her. Can't make any promises, though. (laughs) So for today's episode, I watched an episode on 2020, and that's season 46, episode 9. And it was recently released on December 8th, 2023. I also looked at articles from New York Times, People Magazine, CBS News, ABC News, just to name a few. Those are really major sources. I Mm -hmm. wonder if I've heard about it. Maybe you have? Maybe. Actually, I found out about this case because mom was watching something on TV and she texted it to me. Mom loves to do that. Our mom literally will write down like names of cases because she's the reason we got into true crime to begin with. She had us watching Snapped while Sunday cleaning. I don't know, you know, like, a little strange, but, like, so anytime she sees anything, she sends to us. Yep, so thank you, Mom. Anyways, for a list of today's sources, go ahead and check out our website. It's themysteryforme.com or click the link in today's show notes. This story takes us back to 2018 in Montclair, New Jersey. This is a case of Angela Bledsoe. 
Angela Bledsoe was born on February 11th, 1974 in Maryland. So in 2018, she was 44 years old. She is described as a devoted mother, an amazing aunt, sister, and daughter. Just overall a gentle soul, quiet, and soft-spoken. She was raised in a middle-income family, and she's the youngest daughter to her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Bledsoe. Although I'm not sure the exact number of siblings that she has, two of her sisters made an appearance on the show. They would go to church on Sundays and do Bible study. That was just part of their routine as a family. And in high school, Angela was an honor student. She was part of Student Government Association. And after high school, she attended Florida A&M University from 1993 to 1997. What? Fam, you? Yeah. Oh, you said it so, like, official. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, fam, you. So she earned a bachelor's degree in business administration while she was there. After college, she moved to New York, where she worked as a financial analyst with Chase Bank in Manhattan and later as an associate with J.P. Morgan. In 2018, her most recent job was as a financial consultant with Securities America in New York City. So some interesting factors that I want to point out is that by age 27, Angela was so successful that she bought herself a brownstone in Brooklyn. Well, damn. That's expensive. Yeah. Wait, 27. She was 44 in 2018. So that would have been, what, like early 2000s? Yeah. I mean, it's still a lot Mm -hmm. of money. That's pretty impressive. Right? Wow. Her sister said she was making so much money that in her 20s, she made more than their parents in their entire life. Entire life? Yeah. I was going to say me too. (laughs) You said the entire life part. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. So, of course, being a woman with that type of caliber of success, she needed to find herself an equally successful man or at least someone who's just as ambitious and driven as she was. Good luck, girl, because these men, (laughs) I don't think they've changed that much. Well, it appeared that she did meet her match. Well, look at her in James Ray. So James was also very successful. He was a Marine turned police officer turned attorney. Very impressive. Wow. So James was an entertainment lawyer, although I couldn't find exactly where he worked or if he had a private practice. And he also had an MBA. So he ended up launching his own insurance brokerage on the side. Wow, you know their LinkedIn Mm -hmm. profiles would hurt feelings. See, that's why I deactivated (laughs) mine. I didn't want people crying in a corner. (laughs) I can't. No, but those, I mean, that LinkedIn profile for each of them is like, wow. That would have been very impressive to see. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, he was a jack of many trades, and together they were this power couple. And for Angela, it was an instant spark. So the one thing is that they did have an 11-year age difference, meaning he was 11 years older than her. Okay. But that didn't really matter to her. She just found him very funny and charismatic and smart and successful. So was James black? I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in 2018... They had been in a relationship for nine years, and they shared a six-year-old daughter by the name of Alana. I'm sorry. I have to clarify. I know people are probably punching the wall because I've already Damn, interrupted. how many times are you going to interrupt? But I have a question. They weren't married after no. nine years? No. How do you feel about that? Like, being in a relationship for longer than, let's say, two years, three years, when you're already in your 30s? Because I think she's mm-hmm. in her 30s at this yeah. point. So like when they met and how they met is he actually hired her to work at his insurance brokerage firm. In terms of their relationship. Well, what do you think for yourself? I I know would not work for me. Okay. Okay. It's like two years in, I need that ring. Yeah. Three years in, I need the marriage. I know everyone feels differently about this. Everyone has their own timeline. And I talk to, you know, my friends about this all the time. I just think, I know a lot of people are like, oh, marriage, whatever. A lot of people will say that kids are a bigger commitment than marriage. I disagree. 
I understand, like, with marriage, you can, like, mm-hmm. peace out, or you think you can peace out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And with kids, it's like, no, you can't peace out. See you at graduation, <laughs> at every <laughs> single graduation and special event. Yeah. But marriage also offers protection, unlike just being a parent to a child. When it comes to, like, you know, you cultivated this relationship for, like, nine years now. The law mm-hmm. might not protect you. So you if mean you're in not in a assets. certain state. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I looked that up and I was yeah. thinking, you know, New Jersey, do they recognize common law marriage? And it does not. So. Well, tell the people what common law marriage is. So common law marriage basically means you're not married, but you're in a long term relationship. I think it's at least seven years or more. And you basically are carrying on as if you are in this formal relationship. You live together. You do pretty much everything a married couple does. Yes, and there were a lot of cases I read in law school where it was like, you even hold each other out as husband and yes. wife. Like, you mm-hmm. call each other husband and wife. Right, yes. But again, some states don't recognize that. Like, New York doesn't. No. So, mm-hmm. if you're in a state that recognizes um, common law, great. And if you've been doing this stuff to, like, hold yourself out, like, if they ask your friends, like, are they married and your friends would their normal reaction would be like, yeah, they call each other like husband, wife, yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But if not, good luck. But yeah, it's interesting how the marriage laws work, but mm-hmm. sorry for that side note. I won't interrupt anymore. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Since 2015, they have been living together peacefully in a million dollar home in Montclair, New Jersey with their daughter, Alana, who was born in 2012. Now, Montclair, New Jersey is described as a quiet, suburban, and affluent town that's mostly of old Victorian homes. But their picture-perfect life was far from that because they both had secrets. Ooh, okay. So this leads us to the day in question. On the day of October 22nd, 2018, according to James, he and Angela dropped Alana off at school. And the car ride was interesting because Angela was being a bit moody and just complaining to him about things that he needs to work on in their relationship. Period. And how her family's not pleased with him either. So she's still heated about this. So by the time they drop off their daughter at school, they get back home. She needs time to cool off. So she goes to run errands. And James gives her her space and he ends up going alone to pick up Alana from school. But instead of going straight home after picking her up, he goes to dinner at a restaurant nearby with his brother and sister-in-law and Alana. So later that night, a call comes in to 911 and it's Ray's brother, Robert, calling to report the possibility of a crime. So what happened that night at the restaurant? Apparently James met with his brother, Robert, and Robert's wife in the restaurant's parking lot. And Alana and Robert's wife, they go into the restaurant first. The brothers stay behind and they're just catching up. But Robert notices that James is wearing sunglasses and it's the evening. But I feel like dad wears sunglasses in the evening. He Mm -hmm. wears them at all times, so. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's too alarming. But he said that he did seem panicky and that was not like his brother at all who is a former Marine and a former police officer. Another interesting point is that the brothers are not really close. That meeting like this was out of the ordinary. So when James asks his brother to watch Alana for 24 hours, Robert thinks this is weird, but he agrees anyway, and he proceeds to take Alana's things out of Robert's car and puts it in his car, and they both walk into the restaurant where they meet up with Robert's wife and Alana. They sit down and they're ordering food, but James is not eating anything. He's just drinking water. He asks his brother, hey, can you take a picture of me and Alana? I just want to capture this moment with my daughter. Does he have his sunglasses on? <laughs> no, he has it off. Oh, okay. There's photo evidence of this. Nice, okay. That they show on the show. But then Robert notices that James gets up really quickly and it looks like he's walking to the bathroom, but he doesn't because he's walking toward the parking lot. And Robert is just like, what the hell? So he gets up to go after James, but by the time he makes it to the parking lot, James is pulling out of the parking lot and just driving away. 
So he didn't get a call or a text or anything? And like he just got up from the table? Yeah. Okay, that would mm-hmm. be that is very weird. At least they didn't mention that on the show. Right. Robert does find this behavior to be alarming. So he decides to drive by James's house in Montclair. He notices that the house is dark. At this point, he decides to drive back home because he lives in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is an hour and a half away from Montclair, New Jersey. He wants to make sure that Alana gets ready for bed. So as they are getting her settled in, they are going through Alana's things. And James not only gave Alana's backpack to Robert. It turns out that he also packed two suitcases with clothes for Alana and gave that to Robert too. For 24 hours? Is she having a fashion show? First of all, really? I'm saying (laughs) kids love to do stuff like that. But no, I mean, her her dad's packing it. It's clearly a red flag. Yeah. It's giving weird. So this is weird. And he relays all this information I don't know that he called 911. I think he called the non-emergency line and he's talking to like an investigator or an officer. And so they're taking down these details. So officers go to Angela and James's home in Montclair, New Jersey to check it out. And they go towards the back of the house and they look into the sliding doors and they do notice that someone's laying on the kitchen floor. They go inside and they see that a person is deceased And unfortunately, it's Angela. She had been shot three times, once in the chest, the back, and the head. Oof. Oh my goodness. As far as what investigators find at the scene and what they collected as evidence to be processed, there was a nine millimeter gun that was lying in a pool of blood by Angela's body. There was another gun on the coffee table in the living room, and there was a gun cleaning kit next to that gun in the living room. So James owned several guns. He had shotguns in the house. He had a few nine millimeters, 33 calibers. What they notice about the evidence in general is that there was a bullet hole in the couch. So they're thinking that Angela was likely shot while she was sitting on the couch. And then she got up and she was shot two more times in the kitchen because there was a blood trail leading from the couch into the kitchen and there was a shell casing on the kitchen floor. They also noticed a bloody phone that was placed on top of a bar stool. And something that was very strange is that they found a wall clock in the kitchen sink and the clock had stopped at 11.15. It was random and very eerie to me. Because why is it there? Right. And why is it stopped at 11.15? Yeah, that's weird. Things like this, these types of crimes, they don't happen in this neighborhood. Angela's family was devastated when they heard of her passing. Her father described being in complete shock. And he recalls trying to cry, but nothing coming out. Her family basically tried their best to put their emotions aside because they knew that they had to be there for Alana, Angela's daughter. The grandparents now have temporary custody of Alana as all this is unfolding. But there's a lingering question here because they're still wondering where is James and could he actually be involved? Well, it turns out that their suspicion was right because in Alana's suitcase, Robert and his wife found a letter. And it says that something terrible has happened at James's house, which is actually the real reason why Robert called 911 in the first place. So it was not just about his brother acting weird, it was this letter. So small snippets of the phrases from the letter were displayed on the show. And the letter is addressed to Robert one statement says it was in the heat of the moment i couldn't stop firing get help i'm scared and i don't want the long burden of a trial to prove my point so it's kind of interesting that this is coming from an attorney right meanwhile james is still again nowhere to be found and there's 
news segments about the murder that's now making rounds, the fact that James is missing and that he's likely armed and dangerous and most likely involved in Angela's murder because we literally have this admission through the letter that he murdered her. When detectives and news reporters try to ask the neighbors about their relationship, they say that they don't even know who they are. I don't think it's so weird that I mean, they could tell them, yes, I've seen them next door. They probably can't tell them too much about their life. I don't know if they, I'm sure that they asked them if they heard any gunshots. But there was no information about that on the show or any of the documents that I. Well, beyond even that day, I'm sure they probably saw them together. They probably can't tell them stuff because it's like, well, I never interacted with them. Yes. Or they, Mm -hmm. you know, would say hello and get in their car, you know? Yeah. My neighbors ain't going to be able to tell y'all nothing about me <laughs> unless they watch my TikTok then. Yeah. All right. So the next thing that they do is go to Robert's house in Pennsylvania to see if maybe he has any other details as to where James could be. And they, of course, want the suitcase because, you know, the letter was in the suitcase. Maybe there's other evidence in there. Maybe. And there was. So, along with Alana's clothes, there was a Disney cruise itinerary that showed that the cruise was booked. Okay. There were certified checks dated for October 22nd, 2018. So, literally the date of the murder. Right. And it was for $11,500. There was another certified check for an amount of $9,448. Both were for Alana. And as mentioned before, of course, there was the letter in which James admitted to shooting Angela. But in an interesting turn of events, James also claimed that Angela was becoming more and more violent towards him in the letter. So James said that he was cleaning the guns in the living room and Angela was running errands. She came back really quickly. She picked up one of the guns and she was aiming it at him and was about to shoot him, so he shot her in self-defense. This is in the letter? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So could this be a case of self-defense maybe? Were there any cameras in the living room or anything or in the house? I don't believe so. So I don't know. In terms of this letter, I just feel at this point there's always, well, there's at least two sides to every story. Right. And to get a better picture of what may have transpired on that day, let's take a walk down memory lane. Mm-hmm. So at the time of Angela's untimely death, Angela and James had been in a relationship, like I said, for nine years and had their daughter during within that nine year time frame. But James had a pretty big secret that he had kept from Angela at the beginning of the relationship. What do you think it is? (laughs) (laughs) My brain is running wild right now. I don't know. I'm going to say something. I'm going to end up getting canceled. So just tell me. (laughs) James was married and he had two adult children. He was currently married? When they started dating. When he and Angela started dating. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Her friend claims that Angela would never willingly get into a relationship with a married man. Mm -hmm. But even after the fact of finding out this information, she still chose to stay with James. When did she find out? They don't elaborate as to when. But it seemed like it was early on in the relationship. Is it because he told her? Or she found out from running a little background check or doing a little Google search? I honestly don't even know how she found out. Hmm. I would need to know more before I commence my judging session. What do you mean? I need to know like when she was told, who who told her, what was his marriage like? Well, he had been married for over 20 years. Hmm. But Angela ended up staying and Angela got pregnant. So Angela really prided herself in being a mother and she was overly protective of her daughter. They were living in Brooklyn at the time, and James was living at home with his wife 
in Montclair, New Jersey. So this caused a lot of tension in their relationship. So granted, this is three years into his relationship with Angela. And he was still living at home with his wife. Yes. Are they in separate bedrooms? I don't know. I mean, you could be in separate bedrooms and then you got like a feeling one night like mm, maybe we should canoodle. Yeah, I so don't know. exactly. You never know. So that obviously put a huge strain on her relationship with him. Right, it was very right. stressful times because mm-hmm. she needed her partner with her. She just had a baby mm. and all of that. So it was a lot. But eventually James ends up, I guess, officially separating with his wife. I don't know if they actually got a divorce. I'm assuming that they did. But she ends up moving out and Angela and Alana move in. And this is the same house, by the way. Well, no wonder the neighbors are confused. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that James and his wife, it made it seem like they had lived there for the entire 20 years of their marriage. 20 plus years. Wait, seriously, that's really strange. Yeah, most people would choose not to move into that house and get a new house. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. I was really shocked by that. But the why didn't they move into her brownstone? I'm not really sure. Did she end up selling it? They didn't go into those details. Hmm. But her sister said that Angela was just willing to do anything to keep the relationship together because she really wanted the daughter to experience just a two-parent household and she felt like she would be doing her a disservice by being in Brooklyn. Her dad is in New Jersey. We need to let go of that whole two-parent household like I want to make sure my kids are good because your kids can tell if you're not good with each other. It doesn't matter that they're both in the house. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. Period. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is whatever you make it for your child. So it's like, if you normalize, like, mommy lives in Brooklyn, daddy lives in Jersey, the kid will eventually get used to that. They might have questions because kids are inquisitive and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But... Like, we need to really, like, as a people, we are shackled by that. And we need to, like, just unshackle ourselves from that idea. Choose yourself. Because in choosing yourself and your happiness, you're choosing your child. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Wow. Mic drop. (laughs) So that's what her sister basically said on the show. Since they didn't live together at the start of their relationship, this is now three years into their relationship, it's a shock when she does move in. And I think it's very different living with someone than dating someone. Never move in with a man before y'all are married. Yeah. I did it, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it. you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when she moves in, she realizes that, wow, James is kind of controlling and a mm. bit paranoid. Right? And that could be due to his days as a Marine, right? Some PTSD. Where was he stationed? They don't go into those details. PTSD is real. You know, there's a real chance when you're dating someone who's in the military that they might have encountered something that's going to give them PTSD, which is, in you know, in turn going to affect you and your relationship yeah, with them. sure. And it could be dangerous. Yeah, and then he was a cop afterwards. Right. So it's just... I avoid cops too, for the most part. Well, damn. Who, who's left on the roster? <laughs> like, <laughs> as possible options. No. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it But... Angela was also apparently complaining to her family about James. And her cousin was so concerned that she told Angela, hey, if you need to move in with me and Alana, that is perfectly fine. Because it seems like James might be unraveling. Her sister said that Angela was looking to find a place to move to, which is why I think she may have sold the brownstone. Or maybe it was like rented out. Mm. Like it was occupied at the time, she couldn't move back. But Angela, at the end of the day, chose to stay against, you know, her family and her her friends pleads for her to leave. Now, let's flash forward to 2018. It is a few days after the murder and detectives are now looking into Angela's and James's phone records and they are able to retrieve text messages along with searches. So on James's phone, his search history showed that he was looking for spy cameras 
hidden cameras to put in the house, trackers, hidden cameras in a wall clock. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. As far as the texts go, it was mostly James asking about her whereabouts all the time. James was also apparently breaking into Angela's phone and he actually came across a conversation that Angela had been having with someone by the name of Bakari Burns. So James is convinced that she was having an affair with Bakari, who lived out of state in Florida. He began to become paranoid at the idea that she was gonna leave him for Bakari and take Alana with her and move in with Bakari in Florida. So Angela met Bakari at FAMU and they were just friends at the time, they never dated. And they recently reconnected at a homecoming event. And from there, they started an intimate relationship. Now, as far as her friends and her family, they did not know the extent of her relationship with Bakari. They thought it was simply platonic. It was not. Tell me again, can we be loving? <laughs> but wait a minute, mm -hmm. Ray was not paranoid then. He had an inkling. James, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, well, his last name is Ray. Okay. Yeah. So James did have an inkling. Mm-hmm. And his inkling was correct. Yeah. Hmm. They kind of both have the same secret, essentially. He was having extramarital affairs with Angela, and now Angela's stepping out of their relationship. What's the saying? Like, how you get them is how you lose them? So it turns out that two days before the murder, on October 20th, 2018, James calls Bakari and tells him that he and Angela live together and they share a bed at night. Oh. Do you know who I am? She has a daughter too. Are you aware of that? Oh. And he even threatened to come down to Florida to pay Bakari a visit. So he was trying to put the paws on Bakari. Mm-hmm. So shortly after this, Angela texts James that she's done with the relationship. She tells him he's controlling, he's not invested in the relationship, and that he disrespects her constantly. Hmm. So all of this to say, there's definitely motive for James to kill Angela. Right. But it's also interesting because Angela is having this relationship with Bakari, and it makes me wonder, was she so determined to get away and just so exhausted by her relationship with James that she was willing to shoot him to get away? Hmm. You were basically saying, was she so, you know, did she want this new life so bad that she would shoot James? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she didn't actually shoot him. She didn't shoot actually him. shoot him, but it's kind of like because he shot her first, like if... Mm -hmm. His self-defense claim is true. Mm. Another factor to consider is, did Angela even know how to use a gun? There were a ton of guns in the house, but he's also a Marine, <laughs> a police officer, so... Mm. Well, but former. To, so why does he... Well, whatever. I, I feel... Mm. I don't like guns. I mean, me neither, but I'm just saying, I think... It makes sense that it's more likely that you have a gun because you are in the military or, or in law were. enforcement. Yeah, like you were. Yeah. According to Angela's family, she did not know how to shoot a gun. So speaking of the murder weapon, let's talk about the forensic evidence a little bit more and other things that happened October 22nd, 2018. So as far as the crime scene itself, the gun was not in Angela's hand or near her hand. There were no fingerprints on the gun. And it looked staged in terms of the gun's placement. And when they searched the gun, there were no bullets in the gun. So all of the casings that they found at the scene didn't even belong to this gun. It was for a forty-five caliber and the gun found by her was a 33 millimeter gun. They also noticed that there was one shell casing in the kitchen by her body, but the other three shell casings were found lined up, meaning the person picked it up and lined it up and put it on the coffee table. Gotcha, so she was shot four Very times? Neatly. She, it, the gun was shot four, four times. times, she was gotcha. hit three times. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. 
so when they piece together scenes of what they believed happened, they think that Angela was sitting on the couch when she was shot. She was hit in the chest. She tried to make her way to the kitchen. She was then shot in her back, which caused her to collapse. And I guess she collapsed in a way where she landed on her back. So now she's like facing upward Mm -hmm. and the person fires towards the floor and it ricochets and it hits her in the head. Mm. This is their theory that James did all of this. And James was in the house at 1130 and they believed that Angela was shot at around that time, which so this is after he had come back from dinner. No, this was this in after, the morning. This is in the morning, eleven okay. thirty a.m. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So this was after dropping off Alana, Alana school. to school. Hmm. They believe he shot her at around eleven thirty, and he was in the house until four thirty until he went to pick up Alana from school. But in the meantime, he was writing a will. <laughs> he was writing this letter to his brother Robert of his wow. confession. He was planning his escape. He went to the bank to get these certified checks. He packed clothes for Alana, right? And clothes for himself. I'm assuming they went through his things and realized that there were clothes missing. Mm. And he did all this while Angela was dead on the kitchen floor. Wow. That's cold. Mm -hmm. He also apparently called his adult children and left voicemails, but he does not mention Angela in that at all, or the shooting. He just basically said, please, you know, try to be closer with your sister Alana, because I guess they're, I don't know how much older they are, but it says grown adult children. So there's definitely a significant age difference between Alana and the older kids, but he wants them to be close to Alana. But other than that, he's just pretty calm in the messages, just saying like, hey, hey, honey, or hey, buddy, how are you doing? I'm just calling to check in. Things along those lines. He also calls an unnamed woman and he records that conversation. He on talks. What? I think he records it on. He, he may have had another phone. Okay. So he talks about the fact that he was married and Angela got pregnant while he was still married. And Angela never got over that. She's just been upset about that this entire time. He then goes on to talk about how he believes that Angela is cheating on him with Bakari. And in the recording, apparently the tone of his voice changes. Like he's getting very upset about this alleged affair. You would think that perhaps he's trying to build up a case about self-defense somehow and trying to have this recording, but he doesn't mention killing Angela at all to this lady friend. So, so far, the only mention of Angela's murder is in the letter to Robert. As all of this is unfolding, James is still nowhere to be found. It is now, at this point, a little over a a week, and no one has heard anything. Angela's family is upset, and they're scared because no one knows where James is. Who's to say that he's not going to hurt her family and her friends. And even Bakari goes into hiding in Florida. Wow. Detectives are puzzled. They are wondering why James is even on the run. If he is adamant that he acted in self-defense, why would you run? That looks like you're guilty. Another point is that he is a lawyer. So I'm sure he understands the consequences of his actions by running away when he's a murder suspect. And he admitted in a letter to murdering his longtime girlfriend. In that letter, he pointed out again that he was just scared of going through a lengthy trial. And he also implied that the criminal justice system is not fair when it comes to the prosecution of Black people. So when you think of it that way, I guess it can make sense why he would be on the run. Because he probably fears that he's not going to have a fair chance. He didn't fear... To explain himself. Right. He didn't fear putting bullets in her, though, and explaining himself to his daughter and his adult children. Mm-hmm. 
So it's interesting where his fear is placed. Sounds like cowardly fear to me. Yeah. So on October 30th, 2018, there's finally a break in the case. An international warrant is sent out, placing airports on alert for James. And the FBI is involved at this point. They find out that James is actually in Mexico. And the airports in Mexico are immediately notified to be on the lookout. But it's too late because... James actually booked a flight from Mexico City to Cuba. They know this because James had his passport scanned at the airport. For those that don't know, the U.S. does not have an extradition treaty with Cuba. So essentially what that means is that if you do have an extradition treaty, it allows for the government to bring fugitives abroad back to the country where they committed the crime. So he committed the crime in the U.S., so they're trying to extradite him back to the U.S. However, since they don't have this treaty with Cuba, it's not a guarantee that they'll be able to bring him back. Maybe if they act nicely. Right. So (laughs) the FBI did do that and act nicely, and they were able to locate James on October 31st, 2018, and he was arrested (laughs) in Cuba. When the FBI agent was in Cuba, he said in order to basically make them more willing to extradite James that he did some sort of like media coverage, just thanking the Cuban government and the law enforcement for arresting James and allowing them to extradite him to the U.S. Hmm. But clearly, James was thinking that maybe if I go to Cuba, I'm untouchable because they technically don't have an extradition treaty with the U.S., so they can't extradite me, but technically they still can get around that. So on the flight back to the U.S., James is having a conversation with the FBI agent. Why he's doing that willingly, I have no idea, but (laughs) he goes on to tell the FBI agent that he just went to Cuba to clear his head and that he was planning on coming back in early December. Right. Yeah. They get back to the United States and he is brought to the Essex County Jail in New Jersey. But before he even gets there, and while he's in the custody of the FBI, they do find that James had a wad of cash on him, a change of clothes, a road atlas, so basically a map, um, (laughs) and an 18-page written journal of a full version account of what happened the day that he killed Angela. He wrote it all down? Yeah. Wow. It was very detailed. Now, it's almost like his lawyer skills reverted back to him just being a Marine without any law school training. Yeah. It's just so bizarre to me. Just disappeared, which we love for this case. Of course. But but... interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. James basically relayed everything that I had said initially about dropping off Alana at school. They get into an argument in the car that Angela goes off to run errands, but then all of a sudden she comes back home really quickly. And as she comes into the door, he's already cleaning his guns, which I think is really interesting that you chose then to clean your guns. You just got into a fight with Angela she's very upset and you chose to just be like oh I'm gonna just clean my guns right now might have been smarter to stay away from the guns while angry yeah so it's kind of like when you're like told don't operate a car if you took certain medication right where it might make you drowsy it's Mm -hmm. like don't touch guns if you are feeling any type of anger Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make any sense but he said that he was cleaning the guns at some point he quickly went to the bathroom when he came back out he heard angela's voice and she was pointing a gun at him she was sitting with the gun on the couch pointed at him and he immediately thought okay have to reach for a gun while also maintaining eye contact with her yes he writes all this down And somehow he's able to reach for one of the guns and he points it at her and he shoots her. So he said that he was so terrified at the fact that he shot her or shot at her that he didn't even know if he had missed her. And this is very confusing for the investigators because he's a former Marine 
former cop and he's not sure if he shot her. I mean, maybe so. I don't know. Um, or maybe his lawyer skills are kicking in and he's leaving out that detail in particular and, and changing it mm-hmm. to make it seem like, you know, it was the heat of the moment. He can't even... Yeah, he, he couldn't even, even function despite exactly. his skills. Mm-hmm. So he says that he ran into the bathroom for a few minutes and he comes out and she's now on the kitchen floor. And once again, she has a gun pointed toward him while she's laying on her back. And he fires multiple shots in her direction, kind of all over the place. He's not thinking. His plan initially was to pick up Alana bring Alana to his brother, and then come back and kill himself next to Angela. I honestly was thinking to myself, like, this is giving murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. But instead, he wanted to go but, relax yeah, in But, yeah, but his plans changed because he said he got too distracted, and now it's too late to go back because I guess he's probably thinking, like, by the time his brother reads the letter, he's probably going to call the cops. There's not enough time to, like, plan things and get back to the house, like... He's just not thinking rationally, so he just thinks, I'm just going to leave the country. (laughs) He gets in a cab and goes to Philly. Before he does that, though, he leaves his car at an airport. So at that point, he's just pretty much hitchhiking all the way through the Southwest um, till he makes it to Mexico. And in the journal, he actually does not refer to himself as James. He refers to himself as Jack, and he talks about himself from a third-person point of view. See what I told y'all? PTSD is like, or just mental health mm-hmm. issues in general, is like, it's just it's screaming right now. Like, he renamed apparently all of the people in it, including like his kids. Um, he gave everyone different names. Was he writing a manuscript for a novel? So, he technically ends up saying that, yes, he was hoping that this would get published and that the proceeds would go to his daughter, Lana. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't have time to think about whether or not he shot her. He didn't have time to even listen to hear if he, you know, to really hear if he shot her, right? Because she's Mm -hmm. probably going to moan or groan. Sure. But you have time to write a manuscript. And a will. And yeah. a letter. Yeah. And pack all the clothes. And go to the bank. And line up the bullets. Mm-hmm. And take the clock off the wall. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, he wrote statements like... Well, they don't show the entire 18 pages of the journal, unfortunately. I would have loved to have like read the entire thing. But it was yeah. like little snippets. And one of the lines said, Jack had to adopt a survivor's mentality, only focus on shelter, money, and food. Like, your name is James, James, not Jack. Right. It sounds like almost like he was having an outer body experience. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he was able to hold it together enough to have like a conversation with his brother and drop off Alana and pick her up from school. Me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just craziness. So this case actually takes four and a half years to go to trial due to COVID mostly. The case finally goes to trial on March 29th, 2023. So I'm guessing the prosecution rejects his plea for like, let me plead out. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Because he didn't want a trial, but here we are. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the defense was basically saying that James had no choice but to shoot Angela. They also presented evidence that Angela was controlling. And there were actually text messages that showed that Angela was asking James, where are you? Like several text messages of her asking him where he was. Angela apparently hated and had disdain for James to the point that she wanted to spit in his food. How how would they know that? Her sister had to testify to this on Uh cross-examination. So I'm thinking it was a text message from Angela's phone. Okay. And she was asked, like, hey, is it true that Angela said this to you, that she's just so annoyed with James that she would spin in his food and X, Y, and Z? And she said, well, yeah, but I don't know if she actually did it. But not for nothing. Wasn't James playing in her phone and stuff? Could he have sent that text 
it's possible, but at the same time, I think it was just a buildup of text messages that gotcha. kind of fell in line with how Angela was feeling and what she was actually seeing to her family verbally okay. over the phone and in person. Hmm. So the defense also said that, you know, James couldn't control Angela. And in fact, she was pretty much having her cake and eating it too because she had James supporting her. He's successful. Um, Bakari, I think, was an insurance executive. He did very well for himself too. So she was kind of juggling two relationships at the same time. And apparently Bakari was also married as well. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a plot twist. So, yeah, this information was brought up and he was present and was cross-examined by the defense. Oof. They went into explicit details as to their relationship. Her family was at the trial, by the way, like her parents, her sister, her friends. Her dad fainted at some point. It was just like too much for him. All the details. Mm -hmm. What kind of details, though? Just like explicit messages of saying, you know, I wish I was with you. If I was with you, we would be doing some morning blank right now. Well, damn. I wish I was rolling over to you being in bed with me. Things along those lines. It wasn't that explicit. Well, I, I mean, what that's shared. what they, I'm sure there was more to it because they said the dad fainted. Oh, hearing that specifically? Yes, yes. hearing all these oh. details as to her oh, okay. other life because they had no idea about Bakari. They were learning. Not this. even her sisters? Her sister might have, but like her, the rest of her family and like her cousins and stuff, this was the first time they were hearing about their relationship. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it was shocking because they're like, they're not describing our daughter. They're not describing our sister. I mean, I can only imagine like people revealing details about someone you think you know inside and out and and not matching up with what you know yeah Mm -hmm. that must be very confusing and that person isn't there to you know give you any more insight yeah so Mm -hmm. yeah the prosecution on the other hand they were saying that this was an intentional murder and that angela was essentially gunned down so this is based off of evidence of Her being shot in the chest, her being shot in the back, which I don't know how James was able to explain that Mm -hmm. part, um, and her being shot in the head. So aside from that, there was other damaging evidence, lots of text messages, one in particular that said that was from Angela to her sister Lisa saying that, you know, James was up all night and I think he looked through my phone. And her sister Lisa responded, Angie, you need to get out of there. That's, you know, you're not safe there. And this was October 12th, so 10 days before the murder. And apparently on the day of the murder, Angela had a meeting scheduled with a realtor to find a place of her own. This is just some of the evidence that the prosecution is putting forth that, you know, doesn't look so good for James. It's starting to seem like this is, in fact, an intentional murder. The trial lasts for seven weeks and they del- and they deliberate for three hours. Well, the jury deliberates for three hours and they return a guilty verdict. So James is found guilty of murder and he faced 30 years to life in prison. James didn't show any emotion when the verdict was read. Not surprised. Um, yeah. As far as Angela's family's reaction, they were relieved that justice was finally served but her sister described coming back down to reality because like in the moment it's like Angela's alive again during the trial mm-hmm. and now that the trial's over you realize Angela's not here yeah so that was very hard for her to cope with that's such an interesting perspective that I have not heard yeah me neither in all the cases we've done mm-hmm very interesting and yeah yeah well so now it's two days before james is sentenced for the murder of angela and something shocking happens i feel like i'm not going to be shocked but let's see so james is found dead in his jail cell i knew it 
but the cause of death is unknown. So it's possible that he could have died of natural causes. As far as the prosecutor's office, they said that the autopsy is not complete and an official cause of death has not been determined. Wow. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing here is that in the state of New Jersey, and this might be true in other states too, but James's murder conviction doesn't stand because basically the case is still seen as being open until he's officially sentenced. So what that means is this case might actually be dismissed entirely. I mean, they they have no one to try. There's no one else. Yeah. So imagine her family. This is devastating for them. It already took four and a half years for it to go to trial. Right. And now James is dead, possibly from natural causes. Oof. That's insane. But I did see in, in one of the articles that's going to be on the show notes that James was administered Narcan. Narcan? Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, that's, but that's right. There was nothing else to that. But obviously, if he's being administered Narcan, like, he possibly overdosed. On what, though? In I jail? No, I have no I idea. guess, okay, I mean, in jail, I guess you could get your hands on some stuff. Yeah. But that's all that I heard about that. It's possible that this is still ongoing, right? So this is information that was aired on the TV show in December. This Liter- past December, literally. Right. So there hasn't been any updates as to his autopsy record. Whoa. So this is obviously very devastating for her family. Her dad feels like he failed Angela. I don't know. He feels as though he could have done more for her to protect her in some way. But I don't really know what else he could have done. I don't know. Right. I I don't know if there was anything he could have done in that instance. I think you can tell people... You know, you can give them your opinion. It's up to them if they're going to listen to it, right? So yeah. even her sister repeatedly telling her, you need to leave, like, you're in danger, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it fell on deaf ears, you know, for whatever reason. But people mm-hmm. will basically take action when they want to. Yeah. Even if you want them to right now and you wish you could press a button that makes them just jump into action and do what you say yeah. type of stuff because you just you have a different vantage point and you can see it for what it really is. So in this case, an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. something else is going to have to like push them off that path. Yeah. Unfortunately here, it was her being murdered, yeah. you know, and that's very unfortunate for Alana and for the family in general. Mm-hmm. And speaking know? of Alana, she actually, the aunt has custody of her. So Angela's sister, Lisa. Okay, okay. Is raising her. She's currently in seventh grade. She's 12. She's a straight-eight student, like her mom. Wow. She loves cheerleading, like her mom. And she lives in Florida with her aunt, Lisa. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That's... Yeah. It's just... Wow. Just wild. You know, domestic violence... It comes in different forms, and I think we were seeing a little bit of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was also curious to know if he, if there had ever been any like instances where he had physically abused her. It just seemed to me um, it went some, but sometimes that's how it is. It goes from zero to a thousand. There, you, see you know, coming. you never know. They there could have been, but she did express to her cousin and definitely her sister that James threatened to choke me. Right. You know, just making weird comments like that. Yeah. Like, if I find out that you're cheating, I'm going to beat you like a man. Right. That was one of the text messages that actually um, came in of Angela saying to her sister. It just seems like, I mean, he went from zero to a thousand. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just feel like this all could have just been a conversation. It could have, but it's just like such a wild case because... Like his manifesto of 18 pages, his him going to Cuba from Mexico. It was just so much. It's like, bizarre. Really? He went to such great lengths to like get away. Mm-hmm. And I know he says he'd come back, but I have a feeling he would not have come back. Yeah. 
he probably would have gotten caught eventually. I don't think that he would have come back because even in the letter that he wrote to his brother Robert, he was basically saying, like, take care of Alana. Like, right. make sure that she continues to play golf because apparently she loved doing that with her dad. Just things like that. It's, it's interesting to me and also just, like, really devastating and also disgusting at the same time that he thinks about her now, like, right? Now that he's done everything that he's done. You mm-hmm. shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Period. You know what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't have done it. And now she doesn't have either of her parents. It's just so sad. That's so sad. That's a lot to have to, you know, grow up knowing. Mm-hmm. And she's only 12 now. Yeah. And she was even younger when this happened. That was a very wild case. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's the case of Angela Bledsoe. Tune in next week for another new episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Bye, guys. Bye.